are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. My name is Lauren Scott, and I'm interviewing Douglas McKinnon, author of The 56, Liberty Lessons from Those Who Risked It All to Sign the Declaration of Independence. Thank you so much for joining us today. Lauren, thanks so much for having me on. It's really an honor. In your book, you make it evident that the men who signed the Declaration of Independence need to be honored and that the 4th of July needs to be remembered. Why is this so important, especially in this day and age? Yeah, so what happened, Lauren, was I actually had no intention of even writing this book all the way up to last July 3rd of just last year. And then on the 4th of July of last year, I was taking a tour to some of the more liberal sites in in anticipation of writing a column speaking of the courage of the Founding Fathers when I saw a number of voices from the left calling for the cancellation of not only the 4th of July and the 56th and our Founding Fathers, but of the American flag. And so what happened on that 4th of July just last year, I picked up the phone, I called my publisher, and I told him how basically horrified I was by so many voices calling for the cancellation of the 4th of July and the Founding Fathers that we agreed to do the book on that day. So this book was actually born on the 4th of July of last year. Yeah, and one of the things that I think is important for your listeners, especially young college students, to realize again and again, and I think actually you guys may get it more than any other generation, is that if Americans who believe in the Founding Fathers, who believe in the republic they created, who believe in our nation, don't believe that they can be canceled and that the 4th of July can be canceled, then they have not been paying attention to the last few years of sort of the woke cancel culture in the United States of America. And so what I talk about in the book, too, is I said, look, if our history is bad, let us condemn it and learn from it. If it's good, let us praise it and build upon it. But let us never, ever, let us never, ever cancel our shared American history. I mean, that's what totalitarian regimes do, and we should never allow that to happen in the United States of America. You talk about people wanting to rewrite history in our country and forget the Founding Fathers. A lot of people want to forget the Founding Fathers because some of them own slaves And they think it's a big way to stand up for civil rights to deny that there was any good within the Founding Fathers. Why is it a bad idea to believe this? Well, because, again, we never want to look at, let's just say, 1776 through the prism of 2022, right? Because, again, we weren't there. We don't know what was in the hearts and souls of minds of people then. Many of the Founding Fathers, many of the 56 that signed the Declaration of Independence, came out strongly against slavery. So, you know, again, it, 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 slavery is one of the most obscene things that have ever happened in the United States and the world in general. But again, it's very tricky to look at it going back 250 years and passing judgment on human beings that we never met. So again, it's also about praising these 56, remembering that they had the courage to sign the Declaration of Independence. And this is not taught, unfortunately, Lauren, in our schools too much anymore. But when these 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence, they knew they were signing their own death warrants. And guess what? So many of these men then had their homes burned to the ground. They were imprisoned. Their wives were arrested. Their wives were sexually abused. Their, their livestock was slaughtered. Their sons were executed before them. These men, so many of them, paid a tremendous price 
to not only sign the Declaration of Independence, but have the vision to create, I believe, the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And again, we should not be talking about canceling them and canceling the 4th of July, and that is the purpose of this book. I know there are a few people who signed the Declaration of Independence who are more well-known, but do you know of any signers who maybe aren't as well-known that really stand out to you and that you enjoyed writing about? Yeah, I love that question, Lauren, and thanks for asking it. Because, again, to your point, we always talk about and think about Thomas Jefferson when we hear the Declaration of Independence, right? And Thomas Jefferson obviously deserves great credit. But guess what? It actually wasn't Thomas Jefferson who was the driving force behind either the Declaration of Independence or the Liberty Movement back then. It was a gentleman by, by the name of Richard Henry Lee of Virginia. And Richard Henry Lee actually would have, been the cha- would have been the chairman of the Committee of Five to not only draft the Declaration of Independence, but he would have been the person assigned to actually draft it. But what happened was on June 10th of 1776, his wife took deathly ill, and he had to go back to Virginia to take care of her. And he told the Continental Congress and the Committee of Five, he said, don't wait on me. So then Thomas Jefferson stepped into the breach left by Richard Henry Lee. So one of the things I try to do with the 56 is also update that history and give Richard Henry Lee the credit he deserves. You mentioned earlier that many of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence had unfortunate destinies because they took a stand and caused an insurrection for liberty. Do you know specifically what happened to Richard Henry Lee after he signed it? Well, he was one of the leading voices also for sort of, you know, creating the Bill of Rights, you know. And again, he, he, he did not want to, in fact, ratify the Constitution because he was not a, a Federalist. He believed that the power should be remain with the people, especially after fighting a revolutionary war against the Crown and against Great Britain. He did not want power concentrated in the federal government, and he was one of the most important voices in the history of our nation. And again, I I hope I give him a little bit more credit and notoriety, you know, when I wrote this book. In the past couple years, censorship has grown bigger and bigger. Why is this dangerous and what can we do to fight it? So, I mean, that's an, an amazingly great question, Lauren, because what's happened, and I talk about this in the 56 as well, over the last, probably actually the last 60 years, not just the last few You know, the far left and the left have gotten control of what I call in the book the five major megaphones of our nation. Those five major megaphones of our nation being the media, academia, entertainment, and of late science and medicine. And nature hates a vacuum, and if no one's going to be there, and again, so what happens is if if, if you have control over those five major megaphones, in many ways you have control of the narrative of the United States of America. And then the people that control those five major megaphones can get much more accomplished via omission than anything else. If they don't talk about it, if they don't write about it, if they don't report about it, it did not happen. And so what I stress in the book, one of my favorite speeches, and I'm I'm positive they talk about it and teach it at Hillsdale, is Teddy Roosevelt's 1910 speech, which is now better known as the man in the arena. And what Roosevelt talked about then in 1910 was the credit belongs to the person who jumps into the arena, who fights the good fight, who gets bloody, who gets knocked down, who stands back up and fights again, and not the people in the peanut gallery criticizing that person who's fighting in the arena, right? 
And I think for too many people that believe in the United States of America, believe in the 56 signers of the Declaration, believe in the 4th of July, believe in the American flag, believe in the rule of law, too many people have been sitting in that peanut gallery waiting for somebody else to ride to the rescue. And my, my point in the 56 in the book is that no one is coming to save us. It's up to us to save ourselves. Just like these 56 men knew in 1776, it was incumbent upon them to do something to try to save their freedom and their rights, and, and they did something. Has censorship always existed in America, or has this become something that's more of a recent issue? It's, it's always existed in just in world history, obviously, but I think, you know, with the advent of social media, obviously, it's become something where you can now, can, you know, you can cancel someone. You know, sadly, there have been so many people, generally conservatives, people of faith, and people on the right, who have had their names smeared, have had their livelihoods taken away from them via social media and via the sort of the woke cancel culture machine that can go after it. And so that's what happens, too, is people tend to be silenced by this. One of the things, and again, they tend not to teach this true American history in schools anymore, but Thomas Jefferson said that probably the greatest writer of the Revolution was a gentleman named Thomas Paine. And Thomas Paine wrote a little, a 47-page pamphlet called Common Sense. And common sense was basically warning of the tyranny and the censorship of the crown. And what and, and, and a population then, Lauren, of in the colonies of 2.5 million people, 500,000 people either bought that little pamphlet or got hold of it. That's the equivalent of 70 million people today. And I'm trying to replicate that little pamphlet a little bit with my book, The 56, and, and, and not only spelling out that the tyranny of today is exponentially worse than the tyranny of 1776, but that, again, that if we don't start speaking out on our own, no one's going to, you know, ride to our rescue. And we have the ability to do that, because we can start talking to each other at work, at school, at church, at the supermarket, at the bowling alley. But we start to, we have to have this conversation, because every single day we don't, we're losing more and more of the republic that these 56 men created. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. My name is Lauren Scott, and I'm interviewing Douglas McKinnon, author of The 56, Liberty Lessons from Those Who Risked It All to Sign the Declaration of Independence. Do you think the corruption of society starts within the schools by not reading great works, such as Thomas Paine's Common Sense? I think it does. It's one of these things, too, again, because unfortunately, like everything else, you know, probably depending on, you know, whichever poll you want to believe, anywhere from 80 to 90 percent of the teachers and even in our elementary schools and middle schools and high schools lean left of center. And there's nothing wrong with leaning left of center as long as they don't achieve that objective by discrimination against teachers who happen to believe that are conservative, that believe in faith, and that believe in the rule of law. And it's one of these things where, again, if 80 or 90 percent of anybody is controlling one institution, then there's going to be censorship and discrimination from that. And again, then it becomes incumbent upon the people to do something. And again, sort of people of faith, Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, have to then start getting involved at the lowest level of, of, of school boards, of, of local cities and towns, and getting back into that game. And again, that's where, that's where that 1910 
you know, man in the arena speech comes into play because we cannot sit in the peanut gallery anymore. We have to get into that arena and start fighting for our own rights and our own liberty. During the COVID lockdown, politicians took this as an opportunity to force their own agendas on the people. Sayings such as trust the science or trust the experts were very common during this time. Do you see the American people recovering from this anytime soon? Or do you believe that we're perhaps living in a new normal? No, I I think we're starting to see the American people fight back against that because as more and more Americans, because again, what they did was, you know, through the media, again, which was 90% controlled by the left, they basically terrified everybody against the virus. And then again, it was one of these things where you couldn't, you weren't even allowed as an American to question the vaccines, to question the mask mandates. And again, I'm all in favor of if somebody wants to have 10 vaccines and wear 20 masks, I'm all in favor of that. But I'm also all in favor of Americans having the right to ask questions about that and, and before they inject that into themselves or their children. And all of a sudden, through draconian means, basically these, these politicians and these career bureaucrats were taking away the rights and the liberty of the American people. But I think now, after two and a half years, more and more Americans and even a number of liberals have, have woken up to the fact, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? And, you know, we, that is a healthy discussion to have. In order to lead our society back to truth and back to the founding principles that the founding fathers intended this nation to have, uh, do you think it's more important to focus on debunking the media or perhaps taking control of the media or focusing on the character of the individual citizens themselves? I think in a way the answer is all of the above because, again, and I've written about this, in the United States of America, in terms of conservatives, Republicans, people of faith, libertarians, collectively, there is over, well over $1 trillion worth of wealth in that group. And they have to get back into the game also of buying media outlets, of creating entertainment centers, of creating colleges like Hillsdale. And again, not to turn them into conservative you know, propaganda machines, but to turn them into institutions where you're allowed to have an opinion and you're allowed to voice a different contrarian opinion without losing your job, without being smeared. And again, it's incumbent upon, as they say with the 56, those that had the power to do something had to do something. And again, in 1776, what was remarkable, remarkable about these 56 men, many of whom who were wealthy, the vast majority of the wealthy in 1776 were loyalists to the crown. Why? because they didn't want to rock the boat. They wanted to keep their money coming in. They wanted to keep their power coming in. But at what cost, right? And then ultimately, it's about what these 56 men said and what I talk about in the book. As they said, our rights and our liberty, according to these 56 men, and I happen to agree with this, were bestowed upon us by God, right? And unalienable rights are non-negotiable. And again, it's one of these things where we have to start having this conversation among ourselves because it's not going to get better unless we do. Do you think the COVID lockdown is what caused people to be so compliant to the media and to whatever the experts say? Or do you think this problem started even before that time? No, it started before that. Like I said, you know, the, you know, the left you know, has, has had a, a sort of a, a vice lock grip on the media, on, academ- on academia and entertainment for the last 60 years. And again, over the last five or 10 years, 
they've gotten, you know, that same vice-like grip on science and medicine as well. So that started well before COVID, but COVID was sort of the perfect storm to, to take power from the people. What Thomas Jefferson talked about is these tyrants, these dictators, these totalitarians, they fear the people. So they do not want any power to go to the people. And these are the, it's the people, the American people are in charge of the United States of America. We are the boss of our nation, not these elected politicians or these career bureaucrats. And it's up to us to remember that. And what I, what I try to spell out in the book, The 56, is that these founding fathers left us a blueprint on how to get back to that. We just have to sort of dust it off and remember that it exists and not be afraid to talk about it. Most people who want to change history or kind of twist history are motivated because they disagree with many things that happened in the past. Why is it important to study history, even if the truth can be ugly at times? Well, exactly, and that's what I say. You know, there are, there's a lot of ugliness in, in American history, but that does not mean we ever censor it or ban it or cancel it, because how are we going to learn to be better people and to be a better nation? Again, this is what totalitarian regimes do when they start toppling statues, when they start crushing churches, when they start crushing, you know, houses of worship around, because they are afraid of the people, they are afraid of the truth. And again, it's one of these things, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King praised the Declaration of Independence because, again, it was an instrument ultimately of truth and of giving power back to the people. And it's one of these things where we just have to start doing that. And, and, and right now, because of what's gone on for the last two and a half years, more and more people have been silenced. But I will maintain that 80% of the American people believe in the rule of law, believe in the United States of America, believe it's the greatest nation ever created. But so many of them are fearful of speaking out because of a minute amount of bullies that do control the woke cancel culture. But again, bullies respond when you respond to them, and we just have to speak up for ourselves. What are some things the American people can be doing to speak up? Well, again, I think the first thing, too, is, is to start having that conversation amongst ourselves, because the left is very, very good at being activists. And again, so many conservatives, Republicans, and people of faith, by their very nature, are, are, are civil and, and polite and respectful, and you don't want to lose that. But that does not mean I, I've always believed in the Lord helps those who help themselves, right? And there's nothing wrong with helping yourself. There's nothing wrong with getting into the game and fighting for the rights that are being taken away from you. And again, the way you start that is at the local level, okay? You know, local city council races, town council races, school board races. You have, we have to get back involved in the mechanisms that control our very lives. And again, and there's no excuse not to. And if we don't, we are going to lose liberty and our rights. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. That's actually all the questions I have for you today. Well, Lauren, I really appreciate your time. I, I love Hillsdale. Hillsdale is a great college, and I, I can't wait to come up there and visit you guys. Our guest has been Douglas McKinnon, author of The 56, Liberty Lessons from Those Who Risked It All to Sign the Declaration of Independence. I'm Lauren Scott on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.